Good morning, church, and happy Sabbath. Uh, Adrian here. I am uh, sorry I could not be with you today, but this is the next best thing. Now that we're all in the uh, COVID era, we see a lot more digital and recording and Zoom and so on and so forth. But uh, today uh, I am in Burleson uh, getting uh, ordained. I do thank you for your support and cover your prayers so I want to want to thank you all for that, and also uh, thank you so much to God for this very special time in our lives. But as a result, I could not be there today, and instead uh, I will bring the message to you uh, virtually from Genesis chapter twelve. We will look at Genesis chapter twelve today and the call of Abram, uh, whom we all know as Father Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let us pray. God in heaven, I pray today, Lord, as we look at this calling of uh, Father Abraham and what it means to us today, I ask and pray, God, that your Holy Spirit be present to minister to each heart today. I ask and pray that your words would be spoken and believed in and that Jesus Christ will be lifted up. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, now, we've all heard of the Abrahamic religions uh, of our day. Uh, Ab- these are religions that have their roots all the way back in the experience of Father Abraham. The three Abrahamic religions refer to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. They all claim that their common forefather was Abram or Abraham. The prophet Abraham is claimed by Jews as the ancestor of the Israelites. He is the physical genealogical uh, 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 ancestor of these people. And the Arabs claim that Ishmael, who is also a son of Abraham, is their ancestor, and therefore Abraham is their ancestor. And Christianity claims that Abraham, the faith of Abraham, the experience of Abraham, is our experience as well. And so Abraham is the father of the faithful, the faithful Christians. Now, what's interesting is that thousands of years later, after Abraham's experience, that half of the world's population, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, makes up for half of the world's population, follow the example 
and the faith of Abraham, or claimed to, anyway. Now, we all know that they cannot all be right. Islam and Christianity, they contradict each other in many ways, and so does uh, Islam and and, uh, Judaism. Now, there's many similarities, of course, but the point is that half of the world still adheres to the teachings and the example of Father Abraham. That's almost four billion people. God said to Abraham that he and his descendants would be blessed and be a blessing. Now, this story in Genesis, it is important, as I often say, to look at uh, the context of what is happening. We have to look at the story in light of the Tower of Babel experience, Tower of Babel experience back in Genesis chapter 11. But we, even if we go back before that, we find something very interesting, and that is that we see stories, we see the history of our planet. We see the beginnings, the the infancy, so to speak, of our planet. We see God's interaction with mankind. We see God interacting with uh, the human race, with groups of people. Um, We we can go back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. We see God's interaction uh, with uh, these two. We read about... Uh, the fall and how all all of human race was affected by the fall. We read a lot of genealogies in chapters 1 through 11 uh, in Genesis. We read about the worldwide destruction of this planet uh, because of the flood. We read about Noah. We read about uh, uh, um, his interaction with Noah. And then we get to the Tower of Babel, how we see these group of people uh, who are wanting to build a tower to heaven. And then we read, we go on and we read about the division of the nations because of, of God confused their languages. Then we read a lot of genealogies. So we read about God interacting with large groups of people or the world as a whole. But when we get to Genesis chapter 12, God begins to narrow his focus down on this one man and his family and his descendants. doesn't mean that God only wanted to save them. It just means that that the world as a whole is losing their uh, interest or their ability to hear the voice of God. And so there is this one man, this one family who still hears the voice of God. So God speaks to him. He tells him to leave his homeland and to leave his father's house, to leave everything, and to to go to a land that he would show him, to the land of Canaan. And by faith, Abraham obeyed. And if somebody were to ask him, Abraham... I see you're packing up your, your stuff. I see that you're, you're leaving your, your father's household. You're leaving your homeland. You're leaving everything that you know. You're leaving your own people to go be a foreigner. Where are you going? 
And Abraham would have said, well, I'm, I'm going to uh, the land of Canaan. They would ask him, well, where? He would have said, I'm not sure. But God is going to show me. You see, the, the faith required. Abraham didn't know if it was a fertile land. He's leaving the fertile crescent in Mesopotamia. He didn't know if there's going to be droughts, which later there was. He didn't know if there were, were hostile people, which later he had to uh, save his, his uh, nephew Lot from hostile people. All these things that Abraham would have encountered, he, wasn't, he didn't know at that time that that's what it was going to be like. He just went out by faith. God said go and he went. And we have to understand how challenging this is for Abraham in his day. We are not connected, as connected to our our families, to our ancestors, to our people, as Abraham uh, was, as as the people of his day were. So they were. He was expected to stay in his father's house or close to his father's house. And, you know, live and die and, and, and have generations after him. And so he left. He left. God told him, get out of his country, get out of his father's house. This call required Abraham to obey God over loyalty to his family, to his heritage, to his people. In this case, the strongest human ties had to be broken in order for Abraham to obey God. He had to leave everything and he had to leave the influence of Babylon in order to follow God's command. This is how he he formed his own identity or I should say God formed a new identity for Abraham. This is how he became known as the father of of the faithful. This was a first big major step that Abraham would take to gain that title. But it's interesting why God is calling him to leave. I'd like to read a commentary here from uh, the International SDA Bible Commentary on Genesis, page 198. It said, It is not enough for Abram to get out of Babel in order to find his real self. Abraham has to get rid of the Babel that is still in him. The idolatry of his fathers and the arrogant mentality of Babel. You see, uh, where, where Abraham originally lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, it was a port city. This is where the city of, of Babylon got uh, all of its uh, resources from the sea, so to speak. Um, so it, it, was, it was very much attached to the city of Babylon, which was not too far away. And so it was, you had a lot of people coming from Babylon doing business there. You had people coming from different parts of the world to do business in Ur. So when Abraham left there, he was leaving the influence of Babylon. But not only that, as the commentary here suggests, not only was God calling him out of that corrupt place, influenced by corrupt people, 
But he had to, he had to allow God to remove the Babylon that was still in him. This is why he had to leave. This is why he had to get far away from his homeland. Because God was going to do something very special, not only through Abraham, but also in Abraham. And Abraham would have never had this new life, this new beginning, this new experience with God, if he would have stayed stuck in the past, stayed stuck in Babylon. He had to move and get out of it and take bold action to obey the will of God in his life. You and I have to do the same thing. If we want to get out of Babylon and if we want Babylon to get out of us, we have to be bold, courageous, and willing to risk whatever God wants us to do in order to follow his plan for our lives. The promise we read here that God is making to Abraham is one of the richest promises in all of the Bible. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed by you. That's huge. That's big. And again today, half of the world, thousands of years later, still adhere to the example and teachings of Father Abraham at least in, in some way or, or another. I found this interesting quotation here in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 126, in paragraph 4. She says, Many are still tested as was Abraham. They do not hear the voice of God speaking directly from the heavens, but he calls them by the teachings of his word and the events of his providence. They may be required to abandon a career that promises wealth and honor, to leave congenial and profitable associations. Congenial means pleasant or agreeable associations, and separate from kindred to enter upon what appears to be only a path of self-denial, hardship, and sacrifice. God has a work for them to do. But a life of ease and the influence of friends and kindred would hinder the development of the very traits essential for its accomplishment. He calls them away from human influences and aid and leads them to feel their need of his help and depend upon him alone, that he may reveal himself to them. Amen. Do you feel your absolute need of his help? Are you completely dependent upon him alone? When, you, when we do these things, then God reveals himself to us. As many of you know that uh, I moved into this district um, almost four years ago now. Next month will be four years, and in about a week or so will be four, month, four months in about a week or two. And I remember uh, coming into the district, uh, uh, moving into the, the house we were going to be renting in uh, Talco, 
And uh, coming from a part-time position, we're uh, spending uh, money, in the, a little bit of money in the move, buying some things uh, for this new house. And some of, one of the things that we needed was a new washer and dryer. And I remember as we were about to, we were coming here to this district, we're about to move in. We knew we needed a washer and dryer. We, we had one in our old home, but it, it was furnished there for us, so we couldn't bring it with us. And we we're about to buy this new washer and dryer. We came, we're looking in Mount Pleasant, we're looking in Paris, we're lo- looking around for a washer and dryer. And we found a pair uh, that we were going to buy. And uh, it was new. It was uh, not very expensive, but for us it was new. And I remember getting very excited that I was going to make this purchase, you know. And you know how you get when you're going to make a big purchase and and you get all excited. And I felt really great that I was going to be able to, you know, uh, to buy this new washer and dryer, pay cash. And so I called up Pastor Joe McWilliams and I, I asked him to borrow his pickup truck so that we could get the washer and dryer. Of course, we didn't have a pickup truck. So uh, I knew he lived in the Paris area. That's where we're going to buy the washer and dryer from. Called him up. I said, uh, you know, Pastor Joe, this is a Thursday or Friday. I said, I, I need uh, a washer and dryer. And so he said, I'm, I'm sick right now. I think I have the flu or something. Probably not a good idea uh, for me to help you uh, right now. Let's wait a few days. And then I'll, I'll pick it up and we'll go get it. I said, okay, that's great. So he calls me up a few days later. I'm assuming he's ready to go pick him up. And he says to me, brother, I, I have something I, I want to share with you. I said, okay. So long story short, he said, I have a washer and dryer that is sitting out in my, my shed, in my shop. It's just sitting there. It's a nice pair My wife and I bought a a newer washer and dryer very recently. There's nothing wrong with this other washer and dryer. They're relatively new, uh, just a few years old. They haven't been used very much, and I just want to give them to you. I said, really? Wow. I was was hesitant, you know. Uh, I was so excited about buying this new washer and dryer. And... um, I said, well, that's great. Uh, you know, I talked with him. I, I, I was going back and forth, and I finally decided, okay, that that would be a wonderful gift. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I, I guess I'll take it. You know, I tried to give him something, but he said, no, I just want to give them to you. And so I told my wife about it. I told Simanco about it. She said, yes, God has answered my prayer. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I prayed to God that he would give us a washer and dryer. I said, why? Why did you pray that prayer? I have money to buy this. I, I, I can buy this washer and dryer. You know, I'm not, I'm not a poor pauper. You know, I, I don't need to beg from anybody. I can do I can get this. She said, God, thank you, God, for answering my prayer. She didn't care at all about my pride or, or, or anything like that. And... You see how ridiculous it is that I was upset about this because I thought, I got this. I can take care of this. You know, I, I was depending on my own abilities and resources. and all. While she, in humble faith, was just prayed a simple, humble prayer to God. We need a washer and dryer. Could you please provide for us? And God answered her prayer. 
I would never have thought to pray such a prayer. Now, church, this is a simple example of how God wants us to ever and always be dependent upon Him. To be dependent upon God for everything. Where do we go first? What do we do first when there are changes or challenges that present themselves to us? Are we trusting and depending completely upon God or something or someone else? It was not until Abraham became completely dependent upon God that God could reveal himself to him. And those blessings that God gave to Abram would greatly impact mankind. He wanted to bless him in such a way that those blessings would overflow, not just in his day, but for generations Many, many generations to come. Much, much later on. You see, God wanted Abraham to leave a godly legacy for his offspring. He wanted him to leave a godly legacy for uh, the onlooking world. Leaving a godly legacy means leaving our families, our friends, our co-workers, fellow students, community, whoever it is, a godly example. Now, a legacy can be defined as a gift of property, especially personal property as money, by will, or a bequest. Anything handed down from the past as from ancestor or predecessor. So when we think of legacy, it's, it's typically thought of in a uh, you know, monetary sense or property sense, something you hand down to those after you. Abraham left a spiritual legacy not only for his direct ancestors, but for the whole world. He left them spiritual wealth. He was so wealthy spiritually, God gave him so much spiritual wealth, he had enough to multiply and give to many generations afterwards and many nations afterwards as well too. That's wealth. And the question for us today is, how do we want to be remembered? How do we want to be, what kind of legacy are we leaving? I'm not just talking about when we die. I'm talking about when maybe we move to another place, another city. Maybe we leave a legacy with with our neighbors. Maybe we can leave a legacy after just one day. Is that possible of interacting with someone? Jesus came into the world through the line of Abraham. The gospel writers go into great effort to prove that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. Read Matthew and Luke. They're painstaking about these genealogies. 
to show that he's connected to Abraham. There's a reason why they did that. There's a reason why Jesus, in their mind, had to be connected to Abraham. Because of the legacy that he left. How did Abraham leave himself uh, the spiritual the spiritual wealth to give to his neighbors and generations after him? Well, God is the one who gave him that spiritual wealth, gave him that legacy. And friends, when it comes right down to it, it's not how much money we have in the bank. It's not the kind of property that we have. It's it's not. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the assets or any of those kind of things. In the end, what really matters is the spiritual wealth that we leave for others. That's what really matters the most. And that's what really makes an impact for the kingdom of God. So you see, in this passage for today where it says that he would be a blessing to many nations. We see here that there's a, a very much a missionary aspect to the call of Abram. There's a missionary aspect here where there's a, there's a focus where what, what Abraham is going to do is going to be very much missionary work and following the plan of God for his life. Church, God is calling us to do the same thing today, that same kind of missionary work. This whole passage has missionary implications to it. Abraham was going to be a blessing to all nations. They were not intended for him alone, but to spill out to others. We all know that Jesus was born from the descendants of Abraham, and later uh, Jesus sent his disciples to take the gospel to the world. And they did. Even today, we experience the blessings and the ministry that they did. And Jesus says something here very much in connecting himself to Father Abraham. He says it in John. Chapter 8, John chapter 8 and verse 56. Listen to what Jesus says and connecting himself to Abraham. John chapter 8 and verse 56. And he's having this conversation or or this, this conflict with the Jews, the religious leaders. He says, and let's start at verse 55. He says, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And I say, I do not know him. I shall be a liar like you, but I do not know him and keep his word. Verse 56, your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Very bold statement by Jesus here, but he had every right to make it. 
because he's the son of God. He's divine. He was before Abraham. And so he connects himself to Abraham when he says that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad that Abraham, by faith, he looked forward to the day when the Messiah would come from his lineage. He looked forward to the day when the Messiah would come as a redeemer, not only to his own people, but to the entire human race. Jesus says, Abraham looked forward to that day. And so there Jesus was in the midst of them. This very much excited Abraham. And I want to ask you today, does the coming of Jesus Jesus Christ excite you today? Does his second coming excite you today? Are we leaving a legacy where people are directed to the second advent of Jesus Christ? Are we so excited about that as we look forward to that day that other people are are curious, that other people are like, you know, what's going on? How can these people in the midst of of trial and, and turmoil in this world sacrifice and give and risk and, and, and invest so much into that day. I'd like to close here with an illustration. It was, it's a true story of a missionary. His name was William Granger. Back in 1896, he was the president of Hillsburg College, which later became Pacific Union College near San Francisco. During a Friday night meeting at the college, a foreign student named Teruhiko Okohira appealed to those gathered there for someone to go back with him to Japan. He wanted to share the wonderful gospel message with his own people, but he had never done evangelism before. Can someone do ministry with me, he asked. Granger's wife was very touched by the appeal and went home to tell her husband about this invitation. Both Granger and his wife went back to Japan with Okohira-san. Granger quit his job and moved to Japan. Granger was expecting a sum of money from America that never came to him while he was there. This was supposed to support him while he was there in his living, in his, in his ministry. He was waiting on this, this money to come from America, but it never came. And so he suffered poverty and sickness. And the day came, he was so sick, he knew he was about to die. October 31st, around 1 p.m., Granger knew his last days were near. So he called his assistant and fellow laborer, Hide Kuniya, who was taking care of him. And he asked Kuniya-san, do you love your fellow man? Kuniya-san confidently answered, yes, I love my fellow man. When Granger heard his response, he said, I came to Japan to accomplish my mission, but I could not. I'm about to die. I kept on the road of faith. 
I want you all to be loyal and meet again in heaven. Then he passed away. He died only three years after arriving in Japan. Some believe that if Granger would not have gone to Japan, there would not be an Adventist presence on mainland Japan today. Did Granger feel like he had accomplished his mission? No, he did not. Did he see a great movement of many people coming to Jesus? No, he did not, not in his day. But he was faithful to God. He left behind a heritage of spiritual wealth that pointed people to the Redeemer. Today, we all will leave behind some kind of remembrance, some kind of legacy. The question for us today is what kind will it be? How are people going to remember you? Are we leaving our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, our community with a wealth of spiritual treasures? That's our appeal. That's God's appeal to us today. May God bless you and happy Sabbath.